you know, now that narrative has changed or the story has changed a little bit more. I now have more information available and it's now a project I'm possibly not interested in anymore. So you can either decide to, you know, hold on to those assets and just kind of see where things go or try to cut losses and just try to kind of build your stack and then look for good entries or increasing your position in other projects that you do believe in. Welcome to Into the Fire, where we take a deeper look into NFTs and the people and stories shaping an industry. Today, we're joined by none other than Thomas Mancini. We want to showcase talent doing remarkable things in the space, and Thomas is no exception. After 12 years in Web 2 as a software developer, Thomas left his job to make the leap full-time into Web 3 by launching his own protocol, WGMI.io, which stands for We're Gonna Make It, the premier data and analytics tracking tool for NFT collectors. NF Tomo is probably most recognizable by his gold moonbird with fire hair. But that's not all. With a collection of a proof pass, CryptoPunk, Bored Ape, Mutant Ape, Fidenza by Tyler Hobbs, Chromie Squiggle, and a gaggle of 12 other Moonbirds, Thomas is the epitome of a true NFT collector. Without further ado, we are delighted and excited to dig deeper into the mind of Thomas Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. What's up, dude? Let's do this. Nice, man. Well, thanks for jumping on with us today. Yeah, I mean, the whole point of this whole podcast has kind of been to get into people's stories of, you know, kind of how they got into the space and what they're doing and, and what they see next. So, um, you know, why don't you, uh, can you give us a little bit of the, the background of like, you know, how you got into the space and yeah, and like where where it all started? Sure, sure. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's been uh, about, you know, 15, 15, 16 months at this point since I've been in the space, uh, you know, really got turned on. Uh, last last January, February, when I you know first started to do some research, I mean, I was I was following crypto into crypto, but not not really heavily, uh, you know. But NFTs, digital assets, uh, you know, NBA Top Shot was kind of the first place where I really really got started, and it just seemed like it it kind of clicked for me, or just made a lot of sense um, as someone who collected sports cards growing up and uh, Pokemon cards and and everything else. I mean, it just seemed like. Uh, you know, having these assets online that you can digitally collect, trade, you know, buy, sell, every, everything that, you know, we're doing daily here. I mean, it just seemed to be so much easier and uh, definitely seemed like something that I needed and wanted to to get involved with. So I uh, was, was doing it for as long as I could last, you know, while, while trying to maintain a full-time job and, you know, being a, a father, being a husband. Uh, but, uh, you know, in in trying to grow my my collection, I mean, it just became increasingly harder to, to keep track of everything and to manage all of the assets across all the different projects. Um, anyone you talk to who's been around for for quite some time, you know, quite some time being a year plus, I guess, which feels like it feels like a decade. Um, I mean, we were all doing the same thing: spreadsheets, tab, like ton of tabs open, and just doing doing everything we could uh, to try to keep track of our assets and our portfolios. And that's when it became clear, you know, that there was an obvious gap in the space for portfolio tracking tools. And that's where, uh, you know, I decided to, to kind of jump in and, and create something for myself that luckily a lot of other people have found uh, a lot of use and value in. And, you know, the, the kind of rest is history at this point. So I, like you said, I left my job in January and I've been doing this full time, uh, but the site's been around for over a year at this point. July 16th is when we launched the, uh, the premium version last year. So been crazy, uh, you know, how much has happened and how much the space has changed over the past year plus here was what was the moment like when you were like decided to do this like full jump into web into like web three right because you were doing the other job like was there a moment that you can recall like you know you're like in bed one night and you're like man i gotta just do this this is what i gotta do like what was the moment where you were like i'm i'm doing this man i'm all in yeah i mean i was i was on the fence for a while you know i was just thinking back and forth and uh I don't know if you guys are familiar with us, uh, if you know who Sneaky Ninja Pants is. Um, no, but I but love he's, that name. <laughs> yeah, he's a uh, he's he's pretty big, uh, you know, pretty big investor. Definitely a pretty big degen in the space, or at least he was. Um, you know, but he's someone who's been using the tool for for a while, and and he sent a tweet out. I think it was like end of December, and I was like on the fence, like, am I sending my boss this email or not? You know, am I am I gonna am I really doing this? I mean, I. I made the decision with my wife and we kind of talked through it and thought through it. But he put like I had this email drafted and ready to go. And he sent out this tweet I can send to you guys, um, you know, but it was just something of, uh, 
you know, just how much he believes in the site, believes in me, believes in everything that I've built and done so far. And I was like, you know, that tweet came through and I just said, fuck it. And I clicked the send button and sent that email out to my boss. And, you know, that was, that was pretty much it. So it was just like having people that are just, you know, so supportive and behind everything that I've done that we've done so far. Um, you know, you're going to get a lot of critics and I appreciate them as well. But I think that tweet specifically is what is what kind of pushed me over. Um, I mean, also just thinking back to like, I was into crypto, I was aware of crypto, but I felt like I missed the boat from a strictly crypto perspective. And it was just like, you know, I, I enjoy my job, but at the same time, it was, um, you know, to be a part of something new, exciting, different versus the same kind of thing I was doing for over a decade. You know, it was like, I need to take a shot. I need to bet on myself. I need to try to become my own boss and just see what I can do here. So, um, yeah, I mean, all of that combined is definitely what led to finally making the call and making the decision. So coming from a more traditional background, like what do you tell, like you must have friends that are definitely not into like Web3, like when, like when you're talking to them, like how do you explain to them like like what you're doing? Like, does that make yeah, sense? Like what, yeah, do you, uh, what do you tell them you're doing? How do you explain it's, that? It's definitely, it's always an interesting conversation, you know, trying to talk through it with friends, with family, you know, trying to explain NFTs in general and then trying to explain what WGMI is and what it provides on top of NFTs. I mean, I just always feel like the best thing to do is like try to find a point of reference or something that they are familiar with that they can try to relate to. So, you know, whether it be like country clubs or a golf club or, you know, collecting, uh, collecting cards, collecting comic books, uh, gaming. I mean, it's it's awesome how many different kind of industries are all coming together and being blended into this Web3 space, uh, this Web3 world here. But. Um, you know, I think people understand and I, I try to explain it as best I could, you know, but I think they still they could kind of grasp the you know digital assets and what WGMI provides, you know, but the, then they'll look at, you know, board apes or moonbirds or whatever else. And it's hard for them to understand why anyone would pay the price that they paid um, or are still paying those prices to, to kind of buy those NFTs or to buy those assets. And that's where, you know, it's like, well what do you pay for this, you know, for this access in your life or to be able to attend, you know, a a conference, a show, you know, kind of trying to explain and break down all of the different utilities and benefits these things provide, you know, trying to take a look at, you know, artwork and how much they might be, you know, spending or investing there. Uh, So it's, I think it's definitely uh, interesting and it's always a bit of a challenge depending on who you're talking to and kind of what their background is. But uh, I think most people are, are definitely starting to get it a bit more. Um, at the same time, you know, I love talking about it. I definitely love uh, trying to educate others outside of the space and explain it. But it's just because it's, you know, my day in and day out. I'm like living and breathing and doing everything in the space. It's almost nice to to kind of use those uh you know, kind of relationships in my life to to take a break and to take a step out of the space, which is definitely, you know, exciting and, you know, trying to trying to keep that balance and, uh, you know, and everything else. So I think that's it's it's almost great. And I love answering questions and talking about it. But it's also like, you know, kind of a nice escape just because, you know, every everything I'm doing day to day is just talking to people and just kind of living in in the space as much as I can. So definitely try to take those opportunities yeah. to almost get out of it uh, for a bit. So what do you think you see in this, you know, in NFTs and in the, you know, in what's going on in Web3 in the space? Like, what do you think you see uh, that maybe these people aren't seeing that, that like really like draws you into it? That's like, OK, this is this is something new. This is something different. This is something like I have to be a part of. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you just listen to listen to other people and just being and living in it so so much over the past year. I mean, I don't think anyone would argue that the world we live in is moving more towards, you know, it's becoming more digital than than less digital. So in a world that is moving in that direction, you definitely can understand and think about how these NFTs, digital assets, digital ownership, um, you know, blockchain technology, how all of these things will only continue to become more you know, prevalent more, uh, you know, just kind of continue to grow and become a much bigger industry. I mean, you look back and people think about when, when the iPhone came out and, you know, the apps 
kind of sucked. And, you know, the app store, the app store came out and, you know, there was, there was really not, not that much there that was exciting, exciting to, to kind of jump into. But at the same time, it was like, well, that was, that was just the first step. And now, you know, you know, now every, there's an app for, for literally anything that you, that you want to do. So it's just, you know, trying to take a look at the history and take a look at where we are now and understand five to 10 years from now, and if not much sooner, you know, we're going to continue trending in this direction and to be involved in this space and to be early, to be able to, to kind of innovate and think through ideas where like, is there any other area in your life right now where you can kind of sit down and, and come up with an idea that doesn't really exist yet? You know, it, it kind of becomes harder and harder to do so in like the web two or kind of like mm-hmm. the IRL space, you know, but when you're just thinking about web three, I just, you know, WGMI, a perfect example, like that tool, that product, there, there was nothing that really fit that, uh, fit that need and filled that gap. Um, so to be able to do that, and I'm sure, you know, I know you guys are doing it as well. Um, you know, but just to be able to think about ideas and innovate and, you know, what are problems that everyone is currently facing and trying to develop and create solutions around those, um, it just, there's definitely still areas in web two that you can do that, but it just seems like there's so many more opportunities here. And, uh, it's just so exciting to be involved and be around it all kind of at these early stages. So, so what do you think is like, um, what do you think is like the main hurdle in terms of like five, 10 years connecting the dots in terms of like, okay, now everybody is familiar with the world. Like, what do you think the biggest hurdle is? uh, to, to getting people to like, understand that. And like, what's, you know, that makes any sense. Like what's what's next? Like, how do they, how does this like break into the mainstream? Yeah, I think, you know, some of the on-ramps right now, and you see a lot of other products or a lot of, uh, you know, blockchains trying to, trying to solve this or a lot of sites trying to solve it. I mean, I think that's one of the things I kind of liked about, uh, Top Shot was that you can just kind of jump on and buy things directly with your credit card. I mean, that's something everyone is familiar with doing and, and does it every single day of their life. You know, so you kind of see OpenSea, you see some of these other marketplaces that are now allowing you to do that. Um, almost like obfuscating the fact that you do have, that there is, you know, a blockchain that's behind all of this, you know, but not having to necessarily convert your fiat to ETH and keep track of the wallet and, um, I mean, I think those on ramps and, and improving those and making those better, uh, I think that'll definitely help adoption. I think trying to get better with security, um, you know, I think regulations around the technology and the industry are definitely something that, you know, those things are going to be important as well. You know, it's to just hear about a lot of these hacks and, you know, a, all the negatives, you know, those seem to make the mainstream news a lot more than all the positives that exist throughout the space. So I think that is something, you know, once we're able to change that narrative a little bit more, you can start to see wider, you know, adoption within the space. Uh, so people aren't just thinking, you know, that all it is is a bunch of scams or money laundering, or it's too hard to, you know, buy these assets or to keep them safe, you know. So I think. The, the education and the on-ramps need to get better. The security needs to get better. There needs to be better regulation around everything. Um, but I think those things, I mean, there's progress being made in those areas. And, and I think those are, uh, you know, some, some of the biggest hurdles right now. But once, once a lot of that starts to get figured out and, uh, you know, there's improvements in those areas, I think that's when you will really start to see some more of that kind of widespread adoption. Um, I guess along with just, ideas, innovation that people, that the masses can truly, you know, connect with or understand, uh, you know, even like content creation. I mean, I've, I've heard a few people talking about it on YouTube. Like what if, you know, there, there's so many people creating content these days, if you can figure out a better way to monetize that or, you know, gate that behind a digital asset, you know, I think those are the things um, that people could start to get excited about and understand a little bit more where like you kind of become you're in the driver's seat now it's compared to like the platform that you're uh publishing content on where they they have so much control over kind of the revenue and everything else that you're able to bring in if you can kind of take that ownership yourself um you know i think that's something that will really interest and excite a lot of people yeah well you're definitely innovating in that space um you know i was talking to a buddy of mine the other day over here and he was talking about uh buying a, like a video game. I don't know. They got like Mario Kart or something for the switch. And it was like, okay, you can either buy the physical copy or you can buy the digital copy and the physical copy you can resell the digital copy. You just buy and it's gone forever. 
and, you know, and there's no, you know, there, and, and for me, that was like, oh, that'd be a perfect use case for like an NFT. Um, in your case, you're doing some, you know, like we could talk a little bit about WGMI.io, but like you're doing something where you don't just buy the software, you buy a pass, right? And the pass is the NFT. And then that gates that to a software. That's, I mean, in a way, that's a different business model. If somebody at the end is like, oh, I don't want to use it, they can sell that to the next person. Um, can you speak a little to that? Sure. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly right. And I think, um, you know, you, you see a lot of other tools and services in the space that are doing it, but, uh, yeah, it's like trying to almost recreate the SaaS model for this space where, you know, if you want to use office or outlook or Salesforce or any of these other products, you know, it's, you're paying for them, you're, you're paying monthly, there is a subscription, but yeah, you can't potentially speculate on, membership to those tools or access to those tools or, or really profit, you know, from, from using them or from having a, a membership or uh, a subscription to them. So, you know, being able to gate a, a, a service, a tool behind an NFT, um, you know, is definitely something that I think is, uh, you know, th that idea alone is something you're going to continue to see more of, I think, as the space continues to grow. And uh, yeah, right now, you know, WGMI.io is, is kind of, we, you can buy an NFT that gates and, and provides access to the premium offering that we provide. And at the moment, um, we do have a subscription tier on top of that, which is discounted if you hold the NFT to get access to uh, some of the other features that exist. You know, and this is this is a model where we put this in place back in January and uh you know, just it's so crazy. I mean, it just seems like there's been like six month cycles so far in my time within the space. But, you know, last July, we we started as just like a one time payment to be able to to use the tool. And we didn't have an NFT behind it. And then six months after that, we were like, OK, you know, let's try to figure out you know, the one time payment was awesome and definitely appreciate everyone who signed up there. But if this is going to become a real business and if I'm leaving my my job and going all in here, you know, need to think through that kind of recurring revenue model, you know, ARR is so important, um, you know, from a company or a product valuation standpoint, but also just to help you continuing to to grow, to scale, you know, to continue hiring, to keep the lights on, to pay the bills. Like you need to have that money coming in monthly, quarterly, annually uh, to to be able to continue to grow and innovate and build out tools and products and services. So, um, you know, I think it is very important to to try to balance the two. But uh, at the same time, I think we found that people were a little turned off by the subscription model that we've put in place and would much rather buy an NFT and kind of test out the features that are currently gated behind that subscription, you know, just from buying the NFT. And if, if they if they like the features, you know, they'll hang on to the NFT. If they don't like it, you know, they'll try to sell it. And hopefully, you know, for them, they're able to sell it for more than they paid for it. So um, I think just continuing the toy with those membership models, the access and try to figure out what makes the most sense. But I think it's definitely tricky in, in this space, because when you look at streaming services and everything else like those just auto draft out of your account and you can't really do that right now you know with with crypto like there's no way to say every three months mm -hmm. you know charge charge this person or draft you know 0.1 eth you know out of their wallet you know every every transaction needs to be kind of signed and um you know so that's something where how do you how do you try to solve for that problem and i guess you know seasonal nfts could be a potential solution there you know, at the same time, you need to worry about gearing up for a drop. And is that something that people are going to want to buy another NFT every every six months or every 12 months? If that's the case, you know, that'll lead to a lot of churn, I think, as well. But I just, you know, I, I think uh, like everything, uh, you know, just try to put something in place that makes the most sense for you and for your for your members and for your uh, you know community now. And then just continue to keep an eye on it and, you know, not be afraid to, to innovate or change it if you think, um, you know, the space is moving in another direction or you'd be able to provide, uh, you know, a better offering for your for your audience. Wow, dude. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of pivoting, you know, you like, you know, test something, test something out and then see how it's going and then boom, jump to the next thing or try something different, you know, at a moment's notice if you got to. Yeah, no, I think it's interesting how with Web3, there's these new business models that are coming out, right? And there's a lot of experimentation happening especially when trying to do things on the blockchain, like you said, if you wanted to do reoccurring, you'd have to sign every transaction, right? So maybe a seasonal NFT might be might be a method. And I have to give kudos to you. I've, I've been um, following WGMI uh, 
for for some time. I, I guess a few months is kind of a long time in the NFT space, but I've been really enjoying a lot of the new features that you guys have been coming out with. Um, for me personally, I frequent a lot of the the homepage just to kind of see the uh, the volume and uh, some of the transactions that are happening um, just kind of on the homepage. And I, I found that to be super helpful. And then, um, you know, utilizing the portfolio feature where you could edit your cost basis or even just have it automatically track it just to see uh, what my profit and loss is. And so I think there's a lot of great metrics that you guys are developing. I guess my question for you is, I mean, you're you're spending a lot of time thinking about data and thinking about what's really important to see from an investment standpoint when, um, you know, evaluating NFTs, right? Are there maybe particular metrics that you like to frequent uh, more often when, when trying to determine what to invest in? Yeah, that great question. And definitely appreciate, you know, the kind words around, around the site, around the portfolio tool. I know, um, you know, the free site definitely has a lot, a lot to offer in terms of just kind of keeping a pulse on the the entire market, um, you know, and then we definitely go a bit deeper there and just dive into your specific holdings on the portfolio piece. But um, we've continued to just keep an eye on different data sets. We, you know, we've been adding new columns, um, you know, but I think unique owners is definitely something that people definitely find. I find a lot of value in. I think other people find value in too. You know, that unique ownership is something where uh, that's usually a sign for a very good, healthy, kind of strong project if there's a good distribution amongst all the holders. You know, if there's if there's a few people that are just holding, you know, the majority of the NFTs, that's just, uh, or the assets, you know, that's just a situation that, um, you know, could, could be a little scary if they decide that they want to sell them off or they're looking to liquidate, you know, you never know what might happen in anyone's life, you know, but if you have a project that has a lower unique ownership percentage, you know, anyone could kind of tank the floor at any given time. So unique owners is important, you know, the holder distribution as well, holder duration, you know, how long have these people been invested? How long have they been holding for? I think that's, you know, something that's awesome with Moonbirds, being able to understand like how long people have been uh, nested and, you know, how long have people been nested from the time they've had their bird, from the time that nesting was made possible, Um, you know, but holder duration, uh, and something that we've been looking at recently, you know, really trying to keep track of, uh, you know, where it is right now and how it's trended is, you know, what we've called the project spread. And the, the spread is pretty much just the difference between the best collection offer that is currently out there and and the floor of the project itself. So that's something right now on the free site, you can add that column. Um, and that is just you know, the, the smaller that number is or the closer the best offer is to the floor, it's just kind of letting you know, you know, how much liquidity might really exist. You know, it, it's kind of just trying to let you be more in tune with the buying side of that project. So in looking at the spread and how it's trending against or looking, you know, just looking at the best offer and how that's trending against the floor, you know, if that if the floor seems to be dipping, but the best offer is is kind of holding strong, like it could be a sign of a of a reversal coming where, you know, you do have a lot of people, you have a lot of offers that are coming in close to or around where that floor is. And you could start to see that buy side pressure start to tick upwards and kind of increase the floor, just to, you know, see a little bit of a reversal on that project. So uh, spread is is just a newer column that we've added and definitely something we're keeping an eye on and keeping track of. Um, you know, and we're constantly just looking into, you know, what data is being made available or what data can we make available to our, to our, uh, you know, to our users, to people that are hitting the site, just to, uh, you know, help them make the most informed and best decisions possible. So, uh, yeah. When you, when you say we, are you, uh, are you, are you investing just mainly based off of yourself? Do you have a like group fund? Do you have like a, how does that work? Are you, I don't know if you could speak to any of that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, definitely an interesting, it's a good question. You know, right now we're not doing any, or I'm not involved in, in any kind of group, uh, group investing, group collecting. You know, I know um, thoughts of like just creating a, a WGMI DAO, or I know there's that PRISM protocol that exists now, which seems like a very easy way to either spin up a DAO or to kind of, you know, get a group of people behind mm-hmm. uh, some of the same types of investments. I mean, I've been 
you know, I've met a lot of people in the space and we're frequently, you know, providing information to one another or just saying like, hey, you know, be aware of this project, you know, whether you want to call it alpha or not. You know, we've we've definitely been um, just trying to stay on top of the entire space as much as we can. But uh, I like to do a lot more of that also in the WGMI Discord, just, you know, making sure everyone's aware of newer projects that are coming out. Who's behind them? Is it something we're excited about? But yeah, at the moment, not really doing much from a, a group kind of fund or group investment standpoint. I guess I just tend to to say we more than I um, you know, <laughs> talking about these things. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, a quick follow up. I mean, I think you brought up a lot of great, um, interesting metrics around some of the, the quantitative things, right? You talk about spread, the difference between the floor and the bid. Um, and, and then you also kind of talk about unique owner account. I think one of the things that I found interesting too is seeing the depth of, of, of the collection offers that are in there. So maybe there there might be like a higher uh, a higher bid, but maybe it's only one person who doesn't have as much liquidity compared to uh, whatever the next lower collection offer is. That's something that you also considered looking at as well, or do you think there's any insight around that? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you know, the spread is nice to look at, but at the same time, you know, if that highest offer is accepted, you know, what's what's the next offer? You know, how, how much does it dip at that point? So kind of understanding the uh, support behind those bids, behind those offers, I think that's definitely uh, a metric that we definitely want to keep an eye on um, and try to provide, whether it's just charts, data, you know, metrics around those Um I think up until now, we've been so focused on like the listing data, just because that's something that, you know, is typically a little bit harder to come by, um, you know, and, and, and something that it's, well, if that's what's, you know, if that's the highest or, or the lowest listing, you know, that's what everyone considers to be the floor price. You know, that's that's kind of how we're evaluating things. And, and the, that's the valuation behind the assets that you're holding. But I think factoring in those bids, I mean, that's what someone's actually willing to pay for the asset. So I think that's, you know, definitely a better a better metric or a better you know evaluator to uh, to kind of determine. It's like what's your if you want to think of like a liquid value or liquid portfolio value, I think it would make a lot more sense to be doing it based on those bids and based on those offers mm. versus, you know, versus doing so, um, you know, by the listings. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, no, a hundred percent agree. Um, I, and I think a, an interesting thing too about NFTs is that because it's such a, um, a small market cap that a lot of qualitative things are also really important in terms of like news announcements and things like that. Um, so like outside of maybe some, some cold, hard number data, data related stuff, is there any qualitative things that you kind of pay close attention to before investing to, let's say a new project? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, it's good to know. And I mean, I, I don't, I'm not going to say, I, I think a requirement is that a team is docs, but it's definitely good to understand like what, what have, what has this team done? You know, what is their background? What is their history? Um, I think that's definitely something that's that's pretty important, you know, but at the same time, and like I said earlier, you know, I didn't really work for a big or a very well-known company before getting into the space. So I do think it is it's good to have an open mind, you know, when talking to new creators and kind of listening to them to really understand, like, you know, do they have a good understanding of the space? Do they truly get it? You know, what what are their goals? What are they trying to build? Um, you know, I think the best thing for me is really just like listening to them speak or jumping on the spaces and jumping on the live streams, um, you know, reading as much as I can of the materials and everything they're putting out there to understand the plans, you know, how are they engaging and interacting with communities? Are they open to feedback? Are they open to criticism? You know, I think it's great to appreciate, you know, praise and, um, you know, and, when people are saying and talking about all the, the good things you've done, but at the same time, like, I think we've all, made mistakes, you know, up until this point and, and will continue to make mistakes just because the space is so new. So I think always being open to that criticism and, and listening to your community and trying to do the best you can to to make the best decisions you can. I mean, all of that is just is just very important too. You know, it's how knowledgeable are they about the space? What are the problems that they're trying to solve and what is their approach to kind of accomplishing accomplishing those goals? You know, and I think that's a big reason why I was so kind of excited and bullish around proof and in Kevin and, and Justin and everything, you know, just how they go about, 
identifying problems, solving problems, responding to criticism and, and feedback and trying to continue to get better. Um, you guys probably saw they just released a, uh, a new poll as well, just trying to get a better understanding of kind of the community and, and what's important to all of us. I mean, th- those those things are just, I think, so important to building something out. And it's um, it's just important to, to try to learn and educate yourself as much as you can around the creators behind it. You know, are they trying to solve a big problem that exists within the space? Um, you know, how are they how are they approaching it? And, uh, you know, you want to see people that are going to be here for the long haul. So I think those are a lot of the, the factors of the things I'm thinking about when, uh, you know, deciding to invest in a project or not. Well, so for first time, it's like the first time that uh, in terms of like a software, you have a direct, you know, line of communication with your audience, right? Like, I don't know if like, I mean, QuickBooks, I guess you could email them or something, but there's not like a Discord where it's like built out of, right? So you do have that like direct line of communication to the audience, you know, where I'm sure in the Discord, they're like, we want this or we don't want that. You can actually like, you know, have a tight line of communication, which isn't something, you know, uh, we've seen before. Um, Is there anything you can say about that? Yeah, I, th- I think, I mean, people definitely seem to appreciate being able to hop in the Discord and ask a question. And, you know, as long as I'm available and around, like the fact that I can be responding to it, engaging with them, interacting with them, you know, I think that uh, it definitely does give you that connection and uh, in, in being available for for your community, for, you know, your supporters. I think that's it's so important, you know, just being able to see people that are hopping on spaces, doing live streams, available and active in the Discord, uh, Telegram, you know, wh- wherever your community might really live or spend its time. It, it is awesome to be able to connect in that way, along with like, hey, someone requests a feature and just like trying to push something out as quick as you can and then try to get as much feedback as as quick as possible and, you know, and just try to factor in, all right, this is our, you know, V1 solution for this. We know it's not perfect. We wanted to push it out as soon as we can to get to get some of your ideas around it. You know, there are things you like or don't like. I feel like if you spend too much of that time up front, it could take too long to get to a finished product. You know, I know mm-hmm. some of that is definitely necessary, but we've definitely appreciated and I've taken more of the the approach of just speed being kind of the most important factor and, uh, you know, that, that just goes into every decision we're making where like, sure, we want to be doing these longer term, bigger, you know, bigger swing, I, you know, uh, you know, taking some of these bigger chances. But at the same time, um, you know, how do we how do we release something and kind of iteratively get to that end goal, you know, using, mm-hmm. uh, you know, using the community, you know, social media and everything else to, to help us get there. So I think, um, yeah, just continuing to. To follow that approach, at least right now, you know, first mover advantage, but also just being able to be agile. And like you said, you know, innovate, push something out there and and try to understand. And, you know, do we need to pivot? Do we need to go into a different direction? You know, but if you try to come up Mm -hmm. with the perfect solution and take too long to get it out there, I mean, someone's either going to beat you to market or, you know, or you're never going to be able to get something released and finished. So I think uh, trying to trying to use that speed and then use, you know, that, uh, those channels that we have available to, to really get that feedback as quick, quickly as possible. has definitely been something that's, that's, uh, been a lot of fun in trying to build out a tool, um, you know, as best we can. Yeah, no, I, 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 I completely agree with everything that you said, you know, regarding, you know, what to evaluate regarding a project and, you know, you brought up a, a lot of good points there, right. Uh, having a really clear vision on the path forward, but then also being willing and open to listen, listening to your, your community, right, and getting feedback, and and I think that's you know super important, especially in I think what everybody's calling the NFT bear market. Um, you know, as as a collector yourself and a investor in the space, um, you know how how have you been thinking about this environment? You know, are you doing anything differently? Has your thought process changed since the last few weeks? I think. Um, a lot of the space seems to be pretty down right now. Um, you know, any thoughts around uh, where we're headed and, and how you're thinking about everything? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's definitely, you know, the past the past few months, the past few weeks. I mean, it's definitely been challenging times, I think, for, for those of us who did make that leap into this space. And, you know, to have a portfolio tracking tool that I need to be looking at day in and day out, you know, just to, to keep building and adding on to it and, you know, seeing numbers go down and seeing red and, you know, seeing, you know, frustration, you know, start to build and, you know, around different projects. I mean, it's definitely uh, the space is a lot different and it's a lot harder 
today than it was, you know, last year or even a few months ago at this time. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, with, you gotta with switch, any industry. You got to switch the green to red. Switch, switch the green to yeah. red and the red to green so people will be thrilled. Exactly. Just have like an inverted mode or something like that. You know, um, I think, you know, something that might help is, uh, you know, is possibly, you know, turning off like the fiat or the U.S. dollar, like value values on the site. Like, you know, if you're thinking of things just in terms of Ethereum and, you know, I, we could definitely talk about other chains as well. But if you're thinking of things in terms of ETH and just trying to understand, you know, where projects are from an ETH value standpoint, uh, especially if you're bullish long term on where ETH is going, uh, you know, the technology and everything else and, you know, understanding like with investing, if you can just try to build that ETH bag, that ETH stack as much as you can and try to ignore the USD value, if that's possible, you know, I think that's um, really the best way to be to be kind of approaching things. Um, you know, I think, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where where I am right now. I mean, I definitely have been a bit more on the sidelines as like an investor um, over the past few months. Um, I've definitely made a decision, some projects that I've bought into where, you know, maybe I was bullish at one point in time, you know, but deciding to to kind of cut losses on some of them if I'm no longer bullish or not no longer, you know, excited about uh, the direction the project's heading or some of the decisions or choices that have been made. You know, I think that's always important while you're building, but also while you're investing, like, hey, you know, when I originally invested, I did so for these reasons. And, you know, now that narrative has changed or the story has changed a little bit more. I now have more information available and it's now a project I'm possibly not interested in anymore. So you can either decide to, you know, hold on to those assets and just kind of see where things go or try to cut losses and just try to kind of build your stack and then look for good entries or increasing your position in other projects that you do believe in. You know, so I think that that's something uh, obviously that the site helps you do to understand, hey, you know, where what where's where are my allocations right now? Or, you know, am I overly invested in certain projects or too heavily invested in certain ecosystems? Are there other other projects? Maybe I should be cutting losses and, and kind of uh, trimming trimming my positions there to, to put more of an investment into some of these projects that I do believe in. I mean, you look at the history of crypto and look at the history of some of these projects in their, you know, over the past year, like, you know, the, there's a lot of really good, interesting entry points, you know, into some of these ecosystems right now where, you know, if, if, if uh, history repeats itself, you know, we're going to look back a few months from now and say, damn, I could have bought, you know, whatever it is. I could have bought an oddity for one ETH. I could have bought, you know, <laughs> I mean, a Moonbird for 18 ETH. I mean, these are things where, uh, you know, I think this has happened so many, so many times in this space in the past where it's, it's, you know, you look back at things and it's like, damn, you know, I, I wish I was liquid. I wish I could have, you know, invested a bit more, you know, during the dips uh, and kind of strengthen those positions. So I think that's something where trying to stay liquid if you can and, and kind of picking your spots um, and trying to just stay focused on projects you do believe in a little bit more and try to have more targeted conviction instead of spreading yourself too thin. Is there an indicator you'd be looking for to kind of like start marking the, the 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 turnaround? I mean, obviously, volume's been low. Is there anything you're like, okay, this is maybe even a macro? I don't know, macro indicator or something. Is there anything you'd be looking for to be like, okay, you know, being on the sideline, like, okay, now it's time to start deploying some capital and back into the market. Yeah, I mean, I think the macro is just it, you know, really bad right now. We just kind of had a Fed meeting a few weeks ago, and you know, another hike there. Um, you know, how long? How long is this macro kind of environment going to to stay where it is now? You know, is it weeks? Is it months? Um, I mean, these are areas, and and I'll be honest. I mean, my financial background before jumping into this space and creating this site, you know, hasn't been something that was particularly strong. You know, I was. A software developer, and I didn't really need to fully grasp or understand kind of the different, uh, you know, just kind of the, the the bigger picture macro environment. I guess, despite you know, obviously, it's it is important to have that knowledge, um, you know, and definitely something that I've gained, you know, uh, more knowledge in since I've been in the space and since I've been building the site. Um, but I, I guess you know, it really is hard to say. I mean, when you when when inflation is going up, it's like, well, can we be can we afford these subscription services? Can we afford to go on these vacations? Like, you know, we need to worry about housing and food and clothing, you know, and, and things that are important like that stuff definitely needs to be coming first. And I know a lot of people at that point are like, well, I can't be buying these kind of risk 
you know, heavy assets or taking a chance on these things at this point in time. You know, that's why I think it's usually good to, to try to stay liquid if you can or to try to stay balanced to be able to take advantage of, uh, you know, these down markets and being able to invest in them. Um, but it's always, it, it definitely is tricky, you know, if you're potentially living paycheck to paycheck or, you know, financial, your financial situation isn't, uh, isn't in a great place. I mean, you, you can't expect people to be, to be buying into crypto or to be buying into these NFT projects. I mean, I think a lot of projects probably made a similar, similar mistake that, you know, we kind of did of, of not stabling up or not, you know, taking, taking some of those profits off the table, um, you know, when ETH was, was 4k and just kind of like thinking, well, you know, if this just keeps going up forever, you know, things will be great, you know, but I think understanding and trying to have that, like, I think that's why you saw the price of ETH just go down as, as much as it did. You have these products or you have people that it's like, well, you know, I either need to pay the bills or I need to pay for these services. I need to keep the lights on. And in order to do so, you know, I, I need to have kind of fiat to be able to do those things right now. And that's why, you know, I think that just kind of led to uh, those those crazy, you know, dips and the crazy kind of price, uh, you know, the price drops that we saw over the past few months here. But um, I guess it's hard to say or try to really put my finger on like when this happens, everything will be better. Um, you know, I think it's like, these, uh, you know, these hacks are, are definitely not good for the space as well. Just hearing how many millions of dollars are kind of being stolen from people or you know, mm-hmm. taken out of their wallets. I mean, the other side dropped it a lot to kind of remove a ton of liquidity, you know, from the market as well. And a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, took 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 a pretty big beating who who went into the other side uh, in, in that land drop pretty heavily. So I think all those things have kind of just stacked on top of each other to, to create this, you know, situation that we're in now. Um, you know, but I think, you know, hopeful, you know, definitely heavily invested in, in proof and, you know, I think proof of update or future proof is, is coming up here, uh, you know, within the next few weeks, definitely curious, excited about, you know, some of the news, some of the information that's going to come out of that, you know, is that something that can really kind of kickstart or or get some buzz or hyper excitement around the space again? Um, You know, I think that'll be something to keep an eye on. But, you know, I brought up oddities and it's like, you look at some of these secondary projects or companion projects almost like to have them be one eighteenth the floor of Moonbirds right now just seems completely insane to me, you know, and you look at, you know, where, uh, you know, the Board Ape Kennel Club is compared to Board Apes or the duplicators are compared to Doodles, you know, it's just like, that just seems, um, you know, like a, such a clear, obvious buy and entry into this ecosystem that we're all so excited about and kind of building within, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it just seems like one, you know, a screaming value where, you know, we're going to look back a few months from now and say, wow, you know, like, like I said earlier, could have bought an oddity for an ETH, you know, and now, um, you know, now they're whatever they are, you know, but I think, uh, yeah, I just think keeping, keeping an eye and ear in, in the space and understanding what's being built and, and where things are headed and, you know, I just think hopefully uh, we do start to see that that turnaround here and just um, almost like need to make NFTs like just, you know, bring the fun back into the space and the excitement back into it. Um, so it'd be interesting to see mm-hmm. how, how that might happen. I don't I definitely don't have the answer of like when or where that's going to occur. But I definitely think uh, it's something that's needed because it kind of went from, you know, a, a, a fun space to, you know, work and not, you know, not much excitement or, or kind of, um, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's gone, uh, it's gone a bit sideways or down for, for, for too long at this point. So hopefully there's, uh, you know, something that, that changes that here soon. Do you think most people value their, their, their NFTs in terms of us dollars versus ETH? Like, for example, like if you think, I don't know if ETH went back up to like four grand or went to 10 grand. Like, do you think the the price of Moonbirds would go up or do you think that it'd be like, oh, shit, that's worth 200 grand or whatever? You know, maybe that's now, you know, then it would be worth like three ETH or five ETH. You know what I mean? Like, do you think most people are valuing it in terms of U.S. dollars or ETH or? You know, yeah, I mean, we we actually just pushed a poll this morning uh, from the WGMI Twitter account asking that same question. Um, only 45 votes so far, but 66% said one ETH is one ETH. Um, you know, 28.9% said uh, they convert the price to U.S. dollars when when making buy-sell decisions. 
Um, you know, so I think, I mean, what we've seen so far in the space over the past year is when ETH is very volatile, NFTs tend to, you know, tend to dip. And uh, that's just something that when ETH's going up, you know, people are taking their profits and selling. When ETH's going down, you know, people are trying to sell and there's, you know, maximum fear at that point and people are trying to cut losses. So um, when we've really seen NFTs excel, and I guess this probably would have been a better answer to the previous question. You know, if ETH can kind of find some footing and, and really stabilize at a certain price for an extended period of time, you know, I think that that's when we can start to see a little bit more of a turnaround in the space uh, in and in people buying buying NFTs a bit more in that volume starting to increase again. Um, so that's definitely been something where with, with the extreme volatility we've seen over the past few months here, um, I think that's what's led to this dip in, uh, you know, in volume and, and throughout the space. So hopefully, you know, ETH can stabilize, the macro can kind of stabilize and get into a better place. And then we start to see, uh, you know, the NFT market start to boom again. Yeah. Well, we talked about the bear markets. Uh, you know, what do you hope to see in the next NFT bull market cycle in, in terms of innovation or anything else that you can think of? Yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't I didn't talk about it too much in terms of qualitative metrics, but I think they, you know, that that question and this one kind of could go hand in hand. I mean, I personally want to see more innovation. I want to see people that are doing, uh, trying to solve problems that are are widespread and that a lot of people are facing and, and developing solutions around them. Um, you know, I just think, uh, you know, it's easy to try to look back and like try to run the same playbook that some of the other successful projects have done, you know, and I think to see projects that might be going in a different direction or going in their own direction. You know, I think those things from my own personal interest are, are much more important to me. Like I, I don't want to see a project that is just going to come out and, you know, release some of these companion projects, but then, you know, make a promise of a game or a world or a metaverse, you know, a year, two, three years down the road, you know, where it's like, that's, you know, that's exactly what Yuga did. And that's what a lot of these other projects are doing. Like, how are you, how are you different? How are you separating yourself from those? Um, you know, what problems are you solving that, that exist that other people aren't trying to solve or are afraid to solve or feel like, you know, there isn't a good solution or they're impossible to solve. You know, I think those, what are some examples uh, of that? <laughs> um, I mean, those are things that I'm constantly asking myself day to day at this point, you know, it's like, what, what are these problems that exist in the space? And I mean, we've talked significantly about security. Um, I do think the ARR model is something like, you know, we talked about that a little bit too. Like, how do you, how do you do that in this space? Is there a better solution than seasonal passes? Um, you know, is there, uh, you know, what can be done there? I guess along with kind of the problem that we're trying to solve with, you know, our new newsfeed offering that's coming out uh, over the next month or so here of just trying to like solve the discord and the notification problem. You know, if you're invested in a lot of projects, it's definitely hard to keep up with all of the different news, the information. Um, you know, if, if your portfolio is pretty wide and, and you're spread pretty thin across a lot of projects, uh, you know, it's. How do you sift through hundreds of notifications to pull out the important information, the important, you know, how do you eliminate the noise? How do you kind of get that confidence to make some of the better decisions um, or to make sure you're not missing out on an airdrop or a giveaway or anything like that? You know, so I think better tooling around those kind of problems that, you know, I think a lot of people do feel overwhelmed or they're not exactly sure where to go or, you know, where to kind of spend or focus their time. You know, if we can continue to build solutions that really help you make informed decisions and provide insights to you, you know, while saving you time to do other things, you know, I think uh, that's definitely an area that I think uh, you'll start to see um, people really excel in or people get excited about because, you know, giving people their time back, letting them kind of have fun with their investments instead of it feeling like a grind because you're not sure what's going on or what information is important and what information is just kind of noise. So, um, you know, a few, a few different things there, a few different areas that I think, you know, you can start to see some more innovation along with, you know, the, the on-ramp challenges, the education challenges, the security challenges, you know, trying to educate others within the space, trying to be more inclusive in the space. You know, how do you continue to do that? Um, 
you know, how do you try to get as many people onboarded into excited, educated about the space as possible? Um, I think those are the problems you'll, you'll constantly see people trying to solve and, and building solutions around. Thomas Mancini for mayor, baby. You got my vote. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I think I completely agree with all that. I think if we see things like that, it, it'll definitely be a great thing at least for the next run. Uh, so Thomas, we have a, uh, a rapid fire round that we do on every podcast. We call it the hot seat. John, do you want to get that started? Yeah. Hot seat. I think uh, I was prepared I, for this one, but you uh, are prepared. Yeah. Oh man. I, I, I said, I was, I don't think I was prepared, but let's do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm ready. That, that's exactly the point. It's a surprise. Got exactly it, the it. point. <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we'll put 60 seconds on the board and you'll have to answer. We ask you to answer these questions as quickly as possible. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. Thomas Mancini, quickly. How would you explain NFTs to a five-year-old? Uh, NFTs to a five-year-old. It's like buying, um, you know, all, all the different pets that you're buying in your Roblox games. You're buying those, but you actually own them. You can sell them to somebody else and you can profit off of those. Out of 100%, what percentage are you art collector, investor, and degenerate gambler? <laughs> um, I'd say probably 60% investor, 20% art collector, 20% degenerate gambler. Nice. Uh, what's your biggest NFT win? Uh, biggest NFT win has probably been Fidenza's at this point. Got in pretty early, had a few of them, trimmed my bag, but yeah, Fidenza's have been uh, a big hit for me. What was your biggest NFT loss? Oh, um, I'm currently down pretty bad on Cool Man's Universe. Um, that's that's a pretty big L for me right now. Definitely had a lot of conviction on that project, but um, still still bullish long term. But that's been a big L for me so far. What NFT project do you think is the most underrated? I'm going back to oddities on that one. Nice. What is your NFT holy grail? Holy grail's got to be the golden moonbird with the fire uh, firehead trait. Dude, it's so good. That's such a good one. All right, dude, that's it. Woo! You passed. You did it. <laughs> you did it. Thomas, man, I love it. I love what you're building. Uh, it's so great that you took that leap. And I'm so appreciative that you jumped on to chat with us today. Uh, thank you guys so much. <laughs> it's amazing to see what you guys were able to accomplish as well. I mean, I definitely want to call that out to go from, you know, a smaller parliament, you know, sub parliament, smaller community to, to just kind of rather, you know, rallying troops you know, putting the event together in NFT NYC, you know, having the discord and kind of growing it uh, to where you have so far. I mean, doing the podcast, you guys have been awesome. You guys have been great. It's in inspiring to just kind of see what you guys were able to do and just even more excitement around the space, just seeing some of these things, you know, how they've been made possible by some of these bigger projects and, you know, how you could just see a network and community come together of, you know, various skill sets, various backgrounds to, you know, to, to do some great things. Great stuff, man. I think this was an awesome conversation. I, I, I got a lot out of it, and I think the listeners are too. All right, fellas. All right, thanks, guys. Peace. See you. Thank you for listening. If you like the pod, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It really helps for discovery. We will remember our early supporters. None of this is financial advice, so please do your own research. If you'd like to be on the podcast or you have an idea for a guest or a story, please hit us up on Twitter at hotwings underscore XYZ. Special thanks to Umi Capilla for writing the intro music. Umi is a composer well-known for working on movies like Star Wars, Rogue One, Clint Eastwood's The Mule, and HBO's Chernobyl. He was also the lead guitarist of Filter, singing songs like Hey Man, Nice Shot. His info will be in the show notes, so give him a follow. And Umi, thank you so much. Until next time, peace! <laughs>